Hello everyone, I hope you are well. I'm Carlos Carnicero Uravallen and I want to welcome you all to Future is Blue, a series of podcasts bringing together top experts from academia and think tanks to discuss the most pressing European economic and policy challenges of today. This is a Funkas Europe initiative and we hope we can bring new ideas for a more inspiring debate about Europe. Italy has a new government, and in Futurist Blue we wanted to dedicate today's show to analyze what are the key economic challenges that the new executive, led by Giorgia Meloni, will have. So today we're joined by Professor Giorgia Giovanetti, who's Vice President for International Relations at the University of Firenze. Thanks for joining the Futurist Blue podcast, Georgia. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, joining us from Madrid, let me welcome Raymond Torres, Funcas Europe Director. Hello, Raymond. Hello. Uh, so, Georgia, let's jump into the, the basics here to get an idea on, on the challenges that the new Italian government will face. Uh, could you please give us an overview of the, the key economic concerns that the, the, the government will need to deal with? Well, some of them are common to all the other governments in this moment because the price of oil and gas uh, and the war uh, are going to are affecting the world economy, are affecting the climate of uncertainty. So those are concerns which are common to everyone. And of course, in terms of the Italian government, there is also the issue of uh, the high debt which we have to take care of. And uh, uh, there is an issue of inflation, which again in Italy has been higher than in other places in the past. This year, it seems that we are more or less in line with other countries. So the big challenges are the debt, the inflation, the oil. Um, also the fact that uh, uh, the government um, in this situation of high debt uh, have decided to have a fiscal policy uh, which is different from uh, the fiscal policy that was, uh, let's say, uh, thought by the government of Draghi. And this fiscal policy could create some problems. So I think those are the main challenges that they have. And of course, employment. Um, I, employment is also a big issue because the unemployment rate, especially between uh, women and young people, has been uh, traditionally quite high. Maybe not as high as in Spain, but with respect to other European countries, has been very high, and so their employment policies are also an issue. Thanks, Georgia, for this first overview, Raymond. I think there, as Georgia mentioned, there are a few of few of these challenges are pretty common for the other member states, right? Yes, the challenges that uh, Georgia just described are, are, you know, very familiar to most other EU countries. I would, uh, uh, of course, I, there are differences in, in, as Georgia mentioned, for example, the level of debt is different. Um, uh, but uh, also the, the energy expo exposure, you know, the risk of a complete uh, disruption of uh, energy uh, supplies, especially gas supply, is different across countries. Perhaps uh, more acute in, in Germany, for example, than in Southern Europe, but also Italy is exposed to it. 
Uh, and I would say uh, there is one element which is also very important, which is the issue of uh, employment that Georgia mentioned, in the sense that not only in terms of the overall employment and employment rate or social situation, uh, with many families being affected either by job losses, possibly by job losses, but also by cuts in real incomes. But the fact that, that there may be a, prefer, a perverse loop coming from, if, if job losses were to occur massively, this may lead to uh, also problems in the financial system to the extent that there may be non-performing loans and so on. The same happens with enterprise closures. And so I think we this is very important, uh, not just in Italy, but in every European country, to have in place effective systems to cushion the impact of the crisis on, on jobs and on enterprises. There is something which uh, I would like to add on what uh, uh, you were saying, which is actually a positive side for the Italian economy, uh, which is uh, the propensity to save, uh, well, positive or not, depending on which aspect you look at, but the prop propensity to save has been traditionally very high in Italy, it has reached peaks which were too high definitely during the COVID period, the pandemic, but, and now it's back to normal, but normal is about 8.59%, which is very, very high, and I think that's something on which Italy could rely upon, the high propensity to save because of the private sector of consumers, because I think that sort of counterbalance a little the big deficit that we have uh, from the public sector. Yes, can, can I add something on this, because it's a very interesting point and uh, to, to add further you know, to what uh, Giorgio said, that uh, Italy has had not only high saving rate, but also uh, managed to maintain an external surplus and, until the pandemic. Ever since it has changed, uh, and of course with the increase in the energy bill, it has also changed. But if you look at the IMF projections, there is a return to a surplus in, in the next couple of years or so. And if that is the case, that would, that would be a, a point of strength, which is, by the way, shared with other countries like Spain, for example, which has maintained and still now has a relatively significant uh, external surplus. That's, a, that's an important guarantee against the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the overall risks which happen at the, at the global level. Let me, uh, Georgia, let me ask you about the, the fiscal policy that you, you implied there will, be, there will be some challenges there in that area. And I've read that uh, it is planned, the government is planning to reduce up to 15% on the self-employed tax for those earning up to 100,000 euros per year. And also, uh, when it comes to spending, there are plans to support families and businesses that are suffering due to the energy crisis. Uh, overall, do you see any challenges for the government? Because uh, if you put in place these measures, there may be a risk of adding further public debt, which is currently projected to um, decrease to 142.5% by 2027. What is your reaction to to that, Georgia? Well, both the deficit and the debt are uh, scaring <laughs> in Italy. Uh, I mean, the projection of the deficit is about 3.4%, 3.5% of GDP with no further expenses, and you mentioned some expenses. Uh, the issue with the tax, the so-called flat tax that the government has, uh, would like to implement, I think will reduce probably um, because the big problem in Italy has always been the tax evasion. Uh, the estimates before the pandemic were something about 100 billion euro 
estimates of tax evasion. So unless there is a serious fight against tax evasion, it's very, very difficult to have uh, a flat tax and not to incur in a much larger deficit than that. Um, I don't see very much uh, the willingness to fight tax evasion at the moment. And the recent uh, um, proposal by the government to increase the use of cash up to, now they say 5,000 because 10,000 was too much, I think goes exactly in the opposite direction than fighting tax evasion. So I think that is a big issue. On the front of expenses that you mentioned, um, the one issue is to cut down the minimum uh, income which has been a measure that uh, a couple of government ago was taken. And uh, so there will be some reduction of uh, subsidies. And on the other hand, there will be more subsidies to firms, which are in, in a situation suffering because of the energy bills or other things. And I think the firms are really, I mean, I think that's a good issue about the first announcement of the government is the importance which they gave to firms as a way to create wealth. Uh, the industrial system in Italy, as you were mentioning also, because you spoke about the current account surplus that we have had, this, the firm system in Italy is solid. And so uh, to help firms, especially the small firms, in a situation in which uh, they have obvious difficulties, uh, due to the COVID crisis, to the war, and especially then now to the energy prices, I think that could be in the right direction. Drymon, any any lessons? I'm thinking about as we saw a we saw a new government in in the UK taking uh, starting its journey, and it was quite a bumpy journey because the the government there tried wanted to do certain fiscal moves that they were quite a U-turn compared to what the previous government was doing. And then we saw the reaction from markets and investors. Any lessons learned when it comes to a new government and trying to put in place new fiscal policy? And what is what are your thoughts on that? Yes, I think in a way the, um, the recent episode uh, of financial and fiscal stress in, in the UK shows is a counterexample of what, uh, what is to be done in the face of an energy crisis. Uh, it, it shows that uh, you know uh, uh, measures which uh, are unfunded and and contribute to aggravate the structural deficit, uh, such as the one that were announced by by the UK with the general tax cuts, especially on, the, on which benefit especially those groups that do not need the most the, the tax cuts, uh, are measures which uh, are not you know may may, all, may may face some social criticism, but. Above all, the markets themselves reacted uh, very abruptly uh, and very radically against uh, those measures. And so it, uh, it shows the importance, highlights the importance of having a focused, uh, targeted measures, fiscal measures. Um, and, and the other lesson, which I, I think uh, is, is from, from the UK experience, is, is that uh, if, if, if you're not careful and you adopt the, the wrong measures, there may be a perverse loop of uh, you know, loss of credibility leading to financial stress and therefore opening a new front on the crisis, which is not present at the moment in, in, in the EU, and certainly not in Italy or, or in other EU countries at the moment. So overall, it shows that the, the, the path to at the same time respond to the crisis, to the present energy crisis, but at the same time maintain macroeconomic equilibrium, the path is very narrow. 
it has to be managed very carefully. Certainly, also because, of course, we have to adjust to the monetary policy that the European Central Bank and also the Federal Reserve are taking. So there is also this, which is an external element at the moment, which is important. Um, I wanted to move on a bit and, and, and talk about the uh, next generation funds that are so critical for many member states to, to emerge, hopefully stronger after COVID. And at the end of September, the European Commission authorized the next 21 billion euros to Italy, uh, which has a total, uh, which is, is entitled to a total, total uh, of 191 billion euros of pandemic recovery funds. So, um, Georgia, I wanted to ask you about future uh, tranches of this fund. Do you see any risks here? I'm, I'm asking because... There are some conditionality mechanisms uh, that the EU Commission has put in place. And I wonder whether any any of Meloni's uh, policy choices in the future may compromise the natural flow of this uh, of these funds. Any reaction to that? Obviously, for Italy, it's particularly important because those funds are the one uh, that are very important for the Uh, start again for the economy and I think that at the moment uh, they've been going in the right direction because for instance uh, uh, I may this may be a biased opinion but it's the first time that the government had the previous government had decided to invest on university and I think to, to invest and on firms and the correlation between universities and firms and I think that that will be is a very forward-looking way of uh, employing money Uh, the funds for for the, uh, the European funds. Now, um, I don't know, uh, I don't think there is the idea of changing much, even though some announcements were made before the elections to change, but I think it's more on small things rather than changing the idea that was behind uh, the next generation EU and the use of funds in Italy. So my uh, hope and my impression is that a lot will be left as it is, and that uh, there will not be, therefore, a threat of not getting the, uh, the rest of the money. The one thing that I can say is that a lot of the, uh, uh, the money could be used, uh, it has been used also to justify expenditure that were done in any case, and that is finishing because what was already done during the pandemic uh, now has been justified but cannot be reused in the future. So that could be the only tricky issue. Raymond, any any uh, challenges that other other member states are having, or the governments of those member states are having with with uh, the Commission, and when it comes to conditionality and how these funds are being used? Yes, I I I think that uh, one of, one of the the main challenges now for for all countries that are using these funds is to try to reprioritize in a way, because in the uh, next generation program. There were two elements. One was recovery and the other was transformation. So in other words, some of the funds were perhaps uh, more than others geared towards recovery, given the, uh, the, the, the recession after the pandemic. But then there was an effort also to transform the economies by investing in the future and so on. And probably given the present uh, inflationary environment, uh, the transformational part has to be emphasized even more. Uh, in the sense that uh, it's it's very important, I think, especially 
to, to move faster in terms of uh, changing the energy mix and, uh, and uh, you know, investing in renewable energies and energy efficiency and so on has become important not only it's, it's to transform, but also that helps at the same time to alleviate a little bit inflationary, inflationary pressures. And so I, I think that uh, that's something which I, is being considered uh, in, in many countries, if not with the next generation funds, uh, also with additional uh, budgets, for example, in Germany that we see now, you know. And so that, that I think is a very important, in a way, a new element. In addition to that, I would say that um, I think the experience of the, of the next generation is also can be uh, a very important element uh, in terms of the revision of the fiscal rules, the EU fiscal rules, in the sense that maybe uh, the uh, revised fiscal rules can take uh, the, the example of next generation in order to um, put in place conditionality, which is much more country-specific vis-à-vis uh, -vis the present fiscal rules, which are at the moment in parentheses, they are suspended, as you know. But uh, if we have new fiscal rules, maybe those new rules could take into account the, the, the country-specific conditionality, which is in the, in the next generation funds. Now, the one thing that uh, also can be said is that uh, with the next generation, we were speaking about the digital transition and the green transition. And to a certain extent, uh, what is happening on the energy prices is sort of pushing a little bit the green transition. So this is something that we should account when we see how the money is spent. It's probably there is more on the green, should be more on the green transition. Absolutely. Uh, Georgia, before we close, I wanted a final reaction on what Raymond said. Raymond mentioned the, um, the, the, the fiscal rules and they were suspended at the start of the pandemic. And then there's now a debate on how to create new fiscal rules. The commission is going to do a proposal very soon. Do you foresee any any challenges or tensions when it comes to these new rules that they are in place at some point and, you know, the, the levels of debt and deficit in, in Italy at the moment? Uh, of course, uh, if there are more country-specific, as Raymond was saying, uh, then for Italy it could be uh, better to a certain extent. Because Italy historically has had a, a primary surplus. Uh, so, I mean, not during the pandemic, of course, because we were very hit and we had to spend, I mean, there was a large part of uh, uh, expenditure, of public expenditure. But before, basically, our deficit was due to the interest rate that we were paying. Uh, so now there are two forces. One is the force that if the interest rate are increasing, Italy is going to be worse off. On the other hand, with inflation increasing, the real value of the debt for Italy will decrease. So uh, Italy, with a higher inflation, will have a lower real value of the debt. Uh, and then on the other hand, uh, we should build up on what used to be our uh, primary surplus uh, and see what's going to happen. Um, if it's uh, country-specific, I think this fact of having been in a primary surplus and maybe being able to go back into a primary surplus could help uh, Italy to comply with the uh, conditionality. And I hope that this is something that the government will appreciate. All right. Um, all right, I think we're, we're, we're closing here. Uh, I wanted to thank you both, uh, Giorgia Giovanetti, who's Vice President for International Relations at the University of Firenze. Giorgia, thank you for joining us today. And we'll be in touch again after a few months to see how things are going, because I think it's been very interesting. 
your 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 views on what's coming next for the the Italian government and the economic challenges. Let's hope I'm not too wrong. <laughs> and Raymond Torres, thank you for being with us today. Thanks. It was a very very interesting discussion. Thank you very much. Thank you all for joining. This was all for now. We will come back soon with more exciting speakers on Europe's economic and policy-related key debates. Future is Blue is a Funcas Europe initiative. I'm Carlos Carnicero Ravallen, and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to recommend it to others and share it on social media. Thank you all and stay well.